need to recount with you a recent counseling experience that I had. A couple came in, poured out what was going on in their life. I waited for them to finish their story, and I looked at them and I said to them, I've been there. I've been there, and their eyes got wider. I then began to tell them my story that was very similar to their struggle. And as I relayed to them the things that I went through, there was this bond. The struggle that I had gone through in the past, I have dealt with. And the more that I talked, the more they became on the edge of their seat and said, what'd you do? How'd you fix it? What steps did you take? And I began to then share with them what I had learned, what I had practiced, what I had done to get out of the predicament that I found myself in. They left and applied it, and much healing took place. Balance that off with another statement that often I hear. Instead of, I've been there, I have heard people say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. Now, I have heard men say to pregnant women, I know what you're going through. And I laugh on the inside as I hear this man make a fool of himself. He has no clue what she's going through. And how would you know, Van? (laughs) Because you don't know. I have heard parents and grandparents say to their adolescent child or grandchild, I know what you're going through. Now, we don't laugh as much about that one. But we really don't fully know what children today are facing within their schools, within their peers, within the temptations to step out of line and to try and experiment in areas that we did not have those temptations growing up. Amen? Amen. But we say to them, well, I know what you're going through. We really don't. I've heard people who are comfortable in life Talk to someone who is down and out, who is struggling with addiction, who are struggling with issues in their life, and they'll say, I know what you're going through. It is impossible. Until you have been through some of those struggles, until you have lost hope repeatedly, you don't have really an inkling of what they are struggling with. And so I think there's a difference between I've been there versus I know what you're going through. I think they're worlds apart. And I think what makes the scriptures so dear is often it is written by men inspired by God, but who have been there in some of the same areas that we have been there. And they've dealt with life. So here's the problem. All of us are pilgrims. All of us are aliens and strangers on this journey called faith. We're looking for comfort. 
We're looking for encouragement. We're looking for direction, support. We, we want some inside information. We want someone to care about us. We want empathy. We need strength at times on this pathway of discipleship. We need someone who has walked this road, who is a little bit further down the path, and who will then say to us, I've been there. I know the struggle. Today, we're going to hear from someone in the Bible who has been there. And he will provide for us, I believe, encouragement for us on this journey of faith. Please turn to probably one of the best loved single passages in all of the Old Testament. Psalm 23. We all know it. We've heard it quoted. Almost every funeral I now do, I include this passage. Now, what is the background of this psalm? You know what? We know nothing of the setting or the background of this psalm. We don't have a clue historically where it took place in the Old Testament. However, we know the author. The author is David. It says right in this psalm, a psalm of David. Now, understand When the scriptures were written, that little tagline was not added by current day authors. That little tagline, a psalm of David, is in the original Hebrew. It is connected to the psalm. And so we know David, and that is huge. David, destined for leadership at a young age. David the baby of the family, David, mistreated by his brothers, kind of like, oh yeah, don't forget the little one. David, dealt with danger early on in life, faced wild animals. David, he had to learn how to wait. He was set aside by the prophet that he would one day be king. But he did not realize that for decades. Had to wait. David, he he knew how to fail, amen? He knew how to fail big time. And yet, David had a sensitive heart towards God. He knew how to dream big and yet be frustrated by God's design. And I could go on more and more with this understanding of David. We don't know where he wrote it, when he wrote it, what was going on in his life, but we understand that if we look at David and how his life is portrayed in the scriptures, David's been there. He understands life. And then he pens this simple psalm. When I decided to preach on this, I said to my wife, you know, Psalm 23 is only six verses long. And she said, there's got to be more than that. And I had looked it up. No, six verses. He makes a statement in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is the statement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
that one statement plays itself out through the whole rest of the psalm. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord, it speaks to God's leadership within his life. He understood who was in charge. It is the Lord, the sovereign one, Yahweh. He calls him a shepherd. It expresses dependency and trust. It's comprehensive and yet intimate. And if God is the shepherd of my life and I am taking my cues from him, then I just do and go wherever he leads. Amen? Amen. Well, that's how it's supposed to work. We're just dealing with sheep here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now this phrase, I shall not want, that understanding has shifted over the generations. A different and I think a more accurate translation is, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. When it says that I have not a want in the world, I don't lack anything I need. And David was saying, through all of his life, God has supplied everything I have needed to live for him. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. However, the key to this entire psalm is a word that I have kept reading over that we need to focus on. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. It is the key to the entire psalm. It, is, it makes it personal. Unless he is my shepherd, then the rest of the psalm doesn't belong to me. He's my shepherd. Therefore, as we quote Psalm 23, understand if he is not your shepherd, then everything else we're going to talk about this morning doesn't apply to you. He is going to go on in this psalm and talk about what does God provide as I am the sheep and he is the shepherd of my life? What has God provided for David and for us as a good shepherd? And before I even go further, this idea of being the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus latched on to this concept. And in John 10, 14, Jesus takes on the title of the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. So, fill in the blanks in your outline if you wish to go along. What is one of the things that God provides? Number one, spiritual rest and nourishment. Spiritual rest and nourishment. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. One author said, if you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart until you rest. How true is that? 
And understand, he just doesn't bring me to a beautiful green pasture. And when it talks about green there, it has the idea of uh, fresh shoots of grass. Kind of a delight for a sheep. God brings to us rest and spiritual nourishment. He says, you must rest here. I'm going to... How many of you have been laid down by God himself in sickness? And it says, until you rest. I don't think I've told you this before, but how long has it been we went on a retreat, Barb and I, for about four or five days, a spiritual retreat with about five other couples there in Freeport, Illinois. I, I say this to my shame. I was burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. And I had a funeral. That's why we went to the retreat late. We were supposed to start in the afternoon on Sunday. We got there late on Sunday because I had a funeral Monday morning. I got there. I did not understand how exhausted I was. Physically exhausted. Yeah, you're laughing over there. Had lunch, put me to bed. I forget how many hours the first time I slept. I think it was like... 20 hours straight. 18 hours, okay, 18 hours, okay. I don't want to exaggerate, because she will keep me honest here. 18 hours nonstop. It was like I, I slept in a cave. I got up, greeted the people, and I went back to bed, and I forget the second time I slept way too long. But I was exhausted. God provides for us spiritual rest. We have to listen to him. And if we don't take the rest, he's going to make us lie down. So he provides that. He's watching out for our needs. Secondly, spiritual refreshment and restoration. Spiritual refreshment and restoration. Verse 2, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Waters, placid. Now, why is that so important? None of us have ever worked with sheep before, I don't think. Sheep are not the most brilliant animals on the face of this earth. And if all of a sudden they see water and they're thirsty, they will go to water, naturally. Most animals do. But if it is fast-running water, like in a major stream, and they wade in, their fur begins to get waterlogged, and all of a sudden the stream will take them downstream because they cannot navigate the water anymore. So the good shepherd takes us to water sources that are still and placid and the sheep can wade in and drink to their heart's content and then kind of lumber back out because again, their wool has absorbed so much water. They are now weighted down. Still water. And he restores my soul. He understands me. He understands what I need on the soul level. And he provides it. Thirdly, 
guidance in the right way. Guidance in the right way. I, I called it moral direction. Verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me on the correct path. He, he shows me where to go. And now why is that so important? Because sheep are easily distracted. Amen? Okay, there's a few bleeding over here. It is. And if we see green grass over there, even though the shepherd's taking us over here, we tend to go where our emotions take us. And the shepherd says, you know what? That's not a good path. That's not the way to go. Let me take you over here. This is the better path where I want to take you. He does that. Now, why is that so important? It says in the passage, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why is that important? Because it reveals, he confirms his character and nature. See, God's reputation is on the line. He has promised to direct his people, and his reputation is at stake. People are watching you. You claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You claim that the, the shepherd is going to guide you, and then you find yourself over here in the brambles, in the weeds, in places of danger by your own choosing. And so the good shepherd sometimes has to remove us from those areas to protect his own reputation. And so often, we blame God for his sheep finding their own path. It's not God, it's us. He leads us in the right way. He gives us moral direction. He'll say, this is best for your life. Is he our Lord or is he not? We say yes, but we find ourselves in places that he does not direct us. Fourthly, what's what else God provides? He provides his presence through the deep valleys of life. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, please understand how these verses 3 and 4 fit together. The paths of righteousness do not protect us from the valleys. Hear that clearly. There are times when the shepherd takes us through deep valleys. They, in, in Israel, they call them wadis. They're deep impressions that people walk through. Now, when it rains, they become gully washers through the wadis, but most of the time it's dry. And so the shepherd will drive his sheep through these deep crevasses between these large mountains. Why? Because he knows there is a pasture over here that he wishes to take us through and to and to enjoy. Sometimes we find ourselves in these times of deep 
shadows and we wonder, where is God? We wonder, what is he doing? Where is the sunshine? The shepherd is there with us. His presence gives us strength and comfort and encouragement. His presence results in our tranquility, our comfort. And it says, I need not fear. And I don't know what deep valleys you are going through right now. The good shepherd is there with you. He is leading you through this and you will get through this. Just follow the shepherd. Fifth blessing, provision, his secure protection from without and within. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod short thing with kind of a club on the end, was used to beat off attacking animals, to beat off external enemies that were attacking the sheep. And the shepherd took care of it. But I realized, as it talked about the staff, it was a tool, yes, for the shepherd to walk the the pathway, and sometimes it was rocky, but the staff was a tool to keep the sheep on the path. It was long. It could say, no, 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 get off the rocks there. Don't go down this path over here. The staff was a tool to beat off the internal enemies. And you know what our biggest internal enemy is for each one of us as sheep? Our own wandering foolishness. We want to do our own thing our own way. We have no clue what the topography holds or the terrain holds or the future holds the shepherd does. And so often we think we know best. Amen? We know best. We do not. I need a shepherd. I need someone who has said, I've been there. And he provides secure protection for us in the midst of danger. Number six is his provision in our wilderness. His provision in our wilderness. There's going to be a scene change here. We move from sheep and shepherds now to a banquet hall with a gracious, lavish host. Verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This host supplies what we need. And at times, even our desires, he lavishly takes care of. And if that weren't enough, in the presence of my enemies, you vindicate me. You protect my back. You anoint my head with oil. That can be used one of two ways. The oil in the Old Testament here was used to soothe scratches and wounds. And how many sheep would get scratched up on the path? But it also could be a sign of celebration. You know what 
I like them both. It can be interpreted either way. Either he soothes our scratches and wounds in the path of life, or there comes times when he pulls us aside and he pours oil on our head as a sign of celebration. And then he says, my life overflows with abundant blessing. Is that not true for all of us? I don't know what valleys you are going through, but we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people spiritually. We are a blessed people materially. We forget that. David didn't. His cup overflows and so does ours. The last provision from God is found in verse 6. And to fill in the blank, we have a home to go to. A home to go to. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David expresses deep confidence in God's loyalty to him. He looks forward to full communion and fellowship with God eternally. So I'm on this path as one of his sheep. I'm one of his followers. I go through life. He guides me. He protects me. He provides for me. But there will be a day where I will spend in the house of the Lord forever. What a series of blessings. Do you understand why I call this message a call to confidence in God? Will God take care of us? Yes. And I don't know what you're facing, but whatever you are facing, your shepherd will take care of you. I have, by way of application, four questions for you this morning. Four questions. Number one, is the Lord your shepherd? You know, that just rolls off our tongues. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. But it's the most important question in life that you need to answer. Is the Lord your shepherd? And no one else can answer it for you. And you may have sat in this congregation for years hearing that and saying, of course he's my shepherd. Not unless you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior from sin can he be your shepherd. Embrace him today. Secondly, have you gotten off the path from the shepherd? Have you gotten off the path from the shepherd? Are you caught in a thicket this morning? Are you looking for your own green pastures? What I was going to say, are you looking for your own grass? But now in our culture, that now has a new meaning. So are you looking for your own green pastures? Have you allowed much distance to get between you and the shepherd? And and he's trying to lead you and his voice is becoming less and less clear because you've allowed distance it's time if that's the case to cry out to the shepherd to get back close to him to listen for his voice and his direction 
Maybe what you are feeling in life are the prods of the staff to say you need to get back on the path. If that's the case, it's time to confess. Number three, have you forgotten all that he provides? Can you say with David, I I lack nothing? And are you looking for other distractions to fill what you believe is a void by not trusting him to provide all that you need? He wants to supply it all. He's not going to supply all your wants and desires, but he has promised to supply all of your needs. Will you trust him? Will you wait when he says wait? When he says no, will you not try to go around him to to provide for that for yourself? Because the shepherd knows best. He knows each of his sheep individually. He knows what is best for you. Will you trust him? Fourth question, are you this morning in a deep, dark valley? You long to see sunlight again. Can I remind you that God is with you? Right there. Can I also suggest that he may have purposely led you through the dark, deep valleys of life for a purpose in order to get you to new green pastures. And if that is the case, what does he want at that moment is trust. Trust that he knows best. Trust that he knows where he's taking you. Trust that he cares about you completely. You are not a number with the shepherd. You are a person. He keeps track of you. Trust him afresh this morning. Why do we need to apply this? Because we are all on this journey of faith. Sheep work best when they move together as a unit. Amen? Sheep out by themselves are more prone to attack than when they are with the group, the herd. Then why do we keep separating ourselves? Well, because we think we know best. We are so foolish. Trust God. Have confidence in God. Make sure that on a regular basis you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Let's pray.